Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. We have a better covenant upon better promises, and we have a better relationship with God. We were at such a desperate place that Andrew, it was like life. It was just life that was coming from the television. And every area in our life has been turned right side up. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Wednesday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today, I'm nearing the end of a series that I've been doing on grace and faith. I have this book entitled Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith. This is the very first teaching that I ever put in book form back, I don't know, in the 80s. It's been a long time ago. And this is just a foundational teaching that has influenced everything that I do. And uh, this coming Friday is going to be my last day to offer these products. And I encourage you to please get this. This is something that very few people really have a balance between grace and faith. And uh, it's only when you combine these two together that you see the power of God released. If you get into just extreme grace to where it's all up to God and what you do doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you seek the Lord. It doesn't matter anything. It's just totally the grace of God. You'll get into problems with that. That's error. Or if you get into faith about, I've got to believe God, and you get to thinking that your faith is moving God, that's error. It's only when you understand that God does everything by grace, but you have access into this grace through faith. That's what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 2. So we've been talking about this for over three weeks, and, and I'm nearing the end of this series. And what I started talking about this week was just how this understanding of grace and God loves me by grace and not based on my performance. That has just transformed my relationship with God. It has given me a peace and a security. It says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And I have a peace in my relationship that's sad to say so many people I minister to don't have peace. They, they just constantly, if, if they've done good and if they're doing wonderful right now, there is no rest because they've got to do good again tomorrow or they lose everything. Man, that's because it's all the effort is placed upon you. When you begin to understand that God's love for you is unconditional and you just rest in the fact that He loves you. And that doesn't lull you into going to sleep and not doing things. You are laboring because even though God loves you, you want to experience it. You don't want to lose this revelation. You don't want Satan to blind you and harden your heart. And so you do live a holy life and you seek God, but you aren't doing it in order to please God and earn His favor, but you are doing it in gratitude and thankfulness for the grace that He's already given you. When you do it that way, it provides you with a peace and a security in your relationship with the Lord that, sad to say, most Christians just don't have. That is really powerful. So where, where does all of this wrong thinking about us having to earn things from God come from? You know, I could spend probably a month or so teaching on this, but here's a real quick synopsis of it. I think it, there's two sources. One of it is just human nature. Fallen human beings basically love other people who love them. People that treat you good, you treat them good. 
It's tit for tat. It's, you know, you, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. And it's just the way that human nature is. And we take this thing that we have grown up in and that we have had reinforced in us a million times over and we just transpose it to God and think that that's the way that God treats us, that God gives us what we deserve. He's pleased with us when we do good. He's displeased with us when we do bad. We are taught a conditional love and acceptance based on performance. That's just the way that the whole human race operates. It's fallen human nature. But then there's a second source for it, and this may surprise some of you, but did you know that the Bible, the Old Testament actually teaches us that God gives you what you deserve? And I haven't got time to fully explain this. I've got a lot of teaching. I probably have, I don't know, half a dozen series that talk about the difference between the Old Testament law and the New Covenant grace and stuff. But in the Old Covenant, God did respond to people proportional to their performance. And if they would do this, then God would do that. And that's the reason it's called the Old Covenant. It is still not the covenant that we are under today. It is not the way that God is dealing with us. Jesus did away with the Old Covenant and brought in a new covenant. And what I'm talking about, the grace of God and God loving us, not proportional to our performance, but just based on whether or not we put faith in what Jesus has done, that is a new covenant. And it is different than the old covenant. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 6, it says, By mercy and truth iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord men depart from evil. The fear of the Lord, fear of punishment, fear of rejection will cause people to adhere to a certain standard, but it'll never set them free. It may get compliance in their actions, but they'll never be free in their heart. That's a big statement right there. And the Old Testament law put fear in people and it was enforced with judgment and punishment from God. But under the new covenant, it's a totally different thing. As it says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says, The goodness of God leads men to repentance. In the new covenant, it is not the fear of punishment that is leading people to repentance, but it's the goodness of God. It's the grace of God expressed through Jesus coming and bearing your sins. Now, am I saying that there still isn't a hell? No, there is a hell. And, we, and people need to know that there's a hell and they need to reject it and choose heaven. But that is not the same thing. Under the old covenant, it was fear of punishment that drove people to God. But under the new covenant, iniquity is purged through mercy and truth. It's talking about the goodness of God. You know, here's the reason I believe that God did that. It's similar to when we raise our children. And before a child can get to where they understand everything and they have enough life experience to understand all of these things that, you know, it takes decades to learn, you have to teach a young child not to do certain things. You can't go over there and just take toys away from your brother or sister. It's not all about you. You need to learn to obey. You need to learn to go to sleep at a certain time. You need to learn to eat things that you may not want to eat and stuff like this. 
Well, how do you teach a really young child? Do you wait until they just get old enough to reason with them? If you do, that's the reason the ch children are in such a mess is because they haven't had these things instilled in them at a young age. But how do you get a one-year-old, a two-year-old, to understand that you can't just go over and take toys and hit people and do things like this? If you try and reason with them and you say, now look, if you do that, you are being selfish. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so you aren't following Jesus, you're following the devil. You are uh, yielding to the devil. And John 10, 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And if you do this, he's going to eat your lunch and pop the bag. And you'll never be able to hold down a job because you're just selfish. You'll never be able to keep a marriage together. You'll never be able to do this. If you try and explain those things to a one-year-old, they don't understand what you're talking about. But you know what you can do? You can tell them, say, you go over there and you take that toy again. You go hit your brother or sister again and I'm going to spank you. And even though they may not even understand that it's more blessed to give than to receive, they may not understand that when you yield to the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. They may not even know there is a God or a devil, a heaven or a hell. They may not have revelation of these things. But if you enforce this and they know they're going to get a spanking, then the next time they want to go hit somebody or take a toy from them, if they know that they're going to be punished, you can get them to not do it because of a fear of punishment. And so it's, it's necessary. You have to give some form of punishment and teach a young child that this is right and this is wrong and they need to establish these habits of right and wrong and knowledge of good and evil long before they're able to understand all of the reasons behind it. You know, I grew up on a busy city street and uh, my mother, my dad died when I was young, but my mother, boy, she threatened to beat me within an inch of my life if I ever crossed that road without looking both ways. And you know what? I mean, I got whooped a bunch of times over this. And so, you know, to this day, when I pull out in a car or when I walk across the street, I will look twice both directions. I still am super cautious. And I look because it was drilled into me. And the reason that I did it when I was really young, I mean, before I was 10 years old, the reason I did it was because I was afraid I was going to get a spanking. I didn't understand that it was to save my life. I didn't understand that it was to keep me from getting run over by a truck. The, my motivation for looking both ways was so my mother wouldn't whoop me. But you know what? Now my mother's gone. She's with Jesus. My mother's not around. I'm not afraid of getting a whooping, but I still look because now I understand that even though that was a motivation for a time and it served a purpose, now I understand the, the greater revelation that it's not so I won't get spanked. It's so that I won't get run over by a car, hit by a truck. Well, see, in the Old Testament, people couldn't be born again the way that we are today. And because of that, they couldn't perceive spiritual truth the way that we do. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. People in the old covenant weren't born again. They didn't have the same spiritual discernment and aptitude that we have today. So how do you teach somebody with this lack of aptitude 
to do the right thing without them understanding spiritual truths and spiritual things that are behind it. Well, it's very similar to that parent and child. You take a young child, and even though they may not understand the real reason that you don't go around hitting people and being selfish and doing things, they may not understand the real significance. You can get them to establish habits and patterns of actions because of fear of punishment. Well, likewise, God took Old Testament people who could not understand spiritual truth the way that you and I can, and He just basically showed them, you go and you do this on the Sabbath day and I'll kill you. You pick up sticks on the Sabbath day and I'll kill you. And yet in the New Covenant, Jesus showed that the Sabbath wasn't really the issue. His disciples broke the religious traditions about the Sabbath and they, you know, made, took grain and they rubbed it in their hands and they husked it and then they ate it and the Pharisees accused them of breaking the Sabbath. And he says, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. And then Paul came along in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 and showed you that the Sabbath was only a picture of this New Testament rest. I taught on that just a couple of weeks ago in this series on grace and faith. The Sabbath was a picture of grace and faith and how we are supposed to put faith in what God has done for us, not in what we do for Him. And that's what it was all a picture of. But in the Old Testament, people couldn't understand the picture. They couldn't get all of the symbolism. And so God just enforced it. You go pick up sticks on the Sabbath day and I'll kill you. And people were stoned to death for breaking the Sabbath. And, and it was enforced. And it was the fear of punishment that caused people to start living a holy life. And that limited Satan's access to them. It's still, their holiness didn't grant them acceptance with God because nobody could ever be that holy. Even if you kept 99 things and missed one, you make a zero on the test. You have to either be perfect or you have to have a savior who was perfect. But it did limit Satan's access to them as they started departing from evil. They quit murdering. They quit stealing and lying and doing things because they were afraid of punishment. And, it, and so it limited Satan's access to them. But the bad part of it was that they started trusting in their performance. They started comparing themselves with other people and thinking, I don't dip or cuss or chew or go with those that do. I don't do what this person does. God's bound to love me more than he loves this person. No, God never loved any of us because we were lovely. He loved us because He is love. And people misunderstood the Old Testament law. And sad to say, the average Christian today still tries to relate to God by keeping the Old Covenant law and standards. And again, I say there's a reason that this is called the Old Covenant because it is not the New Covenant. It is not the covenant we live under today. And you are not supposed to be relating to God based on this performance-based mentality. Man, those are awesome statements that I've made right there. And I can guarantee you that the average Christian chokes on these kind of things. They just do not understand it. To the average Christian, the only difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant is one blank page in your Bible. But they mix them all together and they just try and relate to God based on the Old Covenant law. The old covenant law was given to people who weren't born again to put fear in them and make them depart from evil. Proverbs 16, 6, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. 
but that never purged them. It says in the first part of that verse, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. It's only through the truth. Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. God's Word is truth, John 17, 17. And it's only through the truth of the new covenant and what Jesus did that anybody can ever be purged and truly have a good, healthy relationship with God. If you are living under the old covenant law and a performance-based mentality where I've got to earn this, then you will never have peace with God. Your relationship with God will be up and down like a yo-yo based on your performance. And this is exactly where the average Christian lives. They sometimes feel joy. You know why? Because they feel worthy of it. And so they let the love and the joy of God that was inside of them all along, they let it out because they feel like I deserve this. I've really done good. God's pleased with me. I'm pleased with me. And so then they go to rejoicing and thinking of all the goodness of God. And then they mess up. And when they mess up, they just turn off the spigot. And, oh God, I know you're displeased with me. I know that you can't love me. And they're the ones that stop the love, the joy, and the peace from flowing. It's not God that turns it off. God is not responding to your performance. God loves you in spite of who you are. But you are the one that condemns yourself and that turns it off and that you won't let God love you. I'm going to make some statements here that some of you are, you just, it'll probably be the first time in your life that these thoughts have ever come through you. But did you know when you're sitting there and you're feeling so much rejection and, oh God, you're so displeased and I know you're angry with me and you're upset and you're just saying that, God, God, I know you could, I, I can't believe that you could love me. And if you do still love me, I know you could never use me. And how could you stand me the way I'm living? I'm telling you, that's not God. That's you. Let me share a passage with you out of Isaiah 54. If you have a chance, you ought to read this in your own Bible because some of you wouldn't believe that this is in the Bible. But in Isaiah chapter 54, of course, chapter 54 is following chapter 53, where it talks about Jesus bore our sorrows, carried our griefs. He was like a lamb before the slaughter, and he did all of these things. It says in chapter 54, it says, For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee. Man, that's awesome. Again, this is a byproduct of Jesus' atonement. That's what it was talking about in Isaiah 52 and 53. 54 are the benefits. This is all prophecy. The, Isaiah didn't experience this himself. He was prophesying about our day about what God would do for us. And so this is reflective of the new covenant. And it says, this is just like the covenant I made with Noah that said, I'll never destroy the earth again with the flood. The Lord didn't make it conditional. He didn't say, now, if you live holy and if you don't provoke me the way people did in the past, then I'll do this. No, it was an unconditional covenant. And that's the significance of him comparing this to Noah because Noah's covenant was unconditional. Some covenants had conditions. Noah's covenant was unconditional. God didn't put any stipulations on it. Regardless of what man does, regardless of how sinful this world gets, it will never experience another worldwide flood. 
God has given us His Word on it. And in that same way, regardless of how unholy you get or whatever you do, in that same way, God has made a covenant with you that He would never be wroth with you nor rebuke you. Now, this is talking to those who've accepted this new covenant. If you're outside of the new covenant, if you haven't made Jesus your Lord, you don't have access to this covenant right now. You can by making Jesus your Lord and humbling yourself and receiving salvation as a gift. But for those who have received this, God will never be angry with you nor rebuke you. And yet I can guarantee you there are people watching this program that you know you're born again. You know if you were to die right now, you would go to heaven. You do not have any doubt. You have made Jesus your Lord and yet you will say things like God is angry with you. God is displeased with you. God won't bless you. God won't use you. God says that that would never be the case. So I'm telling you that the condemnation that you're feeling is not coming from God, but it's coming from the Old Testament law that was performance-based. And you have not renewed your mind to the new covenant. You are living under the guilt and the condemnation of the old covenant and trying to mix these two together. And your condemnation is coming from yourself at the best. At the worst, it could be Satan, but Satan can only do it if you allow him, if you believe his lies, if you don't understand this truth. So it could be empowered by the devil. It could be demonic, the condemnation and the guilt that you're under. But at the core of it, it's because you don't understand the new covenant. You are still living under a performance-based relationship. And I'm telling you, one of the greatest truths that this teaching on grace and faith has done to me, it has removed me from believing that God's love for me is proportional to my goodness. Man, I am so free from that. God loves me, not because I deserve it, but because God is love. And that just makes me love Him that much more. And it makes me serve Him that much more. Again, I'm aware that there are many people, specifically religious people, saying if you go to telling people about the goodness of God, it's just going to free them to start living in sin. And yet that has never been my experience. You know, I just brought my wife some flowers yesterday. And when she sees me give her a flower, and it's not for something, she didn't earn it. She didn't do anything. And when people see me give her flowers, it doesn't make her want to go commit adultery because, man, look, I, he just loves me and I didn't even have to earn it, so I think I'll go commit adultery. No, when you show love to a person and they receive it, it makes them love you more and it, and it wins their heart over. In the natural, we understand this. Treating your mate good doesn't make them take advantage of you. But man, if you just nitpick and constantly are criticizing your mate and putting a per standard of perfection on them, that's what will drive your mate away from you. And yet somehow or another in the religious realm, we just think it's different. That no, the more condemned we are, the more laws that are put down, the more we hear about the wrath and the punishment of God, that this is going to make us love God more. No, like that verse I read over in 1 John chapter 4, we love Him because He first loved us. We hope you enjoyed this edition of The Gospel Truth. Andrew would like to extend a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible for us to broadcast the message of God's unconditional love and grace all around the world. 
Because of your contributions, we've been able to put free ministry resources into the hands of millions in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. I would really like to encourage you to get this teaching on living in the balance of grace and faith. I think this really just summarizes the position that God has given me in the body of Christ. It seems like you have people that are either into faith or into grace, but very seldom are the two combined, and this teaching would transform your life. I've got a book in English. I've got one in Spanish. We have a study guide here that is the same material. It's just reformatted so that you can disciple other people. You can print out the questions in here. And then we have a CD set of this exact same teaching. And then I have two different DVDs to offer you, one that was taken from our television program and the other one was taken live from one of my uh, meetings that I've held. So please listen to our announcer, respond today, and get this material on living in the balance of grace and faith. Andrew's teaching titled, Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith, is available as a live teaching on either CD or DVD, or in a DVD set as seen on TV. You can also get this teaching as a book or study guide in either English or Spanish. Or you can get the Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith package, which includes your choice of either the CD or DVD album, the book, and the study guide. This package has a catalog value of $85, but you can get it today for only $60. Also, today's individual audio CD is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. You can order resources or become a Grace Partner through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download many free resources. Or call our helpline at 719-635-1111. If the lines are busy, remember, you can order ministry materials or become a Grace Partner 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at awmi.net. If you'd like to write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of March, Andrew will be hosting the Army Conference for Ministers with special guests, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, Representative Bob McEwen, Dr. Barry Burns, and Barry Bennett. In the month of April, Andrew will be hosting several events at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park. First, he'll be hosting the annual Karis Bible College Campus Days with Karis instructors Barry Bennett, Carrie Pickett, Greg Moore, Rick McFarlane, Daniel Bennett, and Lawson Perdue. Next, Andrew will be hosting the new musical, David, the King of Jerusalem. And lastly, in April, he'll be hosting a special concert with John Tesh and Dave Bell in the Moment Band. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net.
I'd like to invite you to come and join me this summer for our Summer Family Bible Conference. It's July the 1st through the 5th, and we are gonna have a lot of different speakers. We have a youth ministry. It will bless you. It will encourage you and entertain you, and it's just gonna be a great time for the entire family. Remember, it's July the 1st through the 5th, 2019, at our facilities in Woodland Park, Colorado. I'd like to encourage you to check out Gospel Truth TV. You can have access to my teaching and a lot of our friends 24-7. It'll be a blessing.